0: Welcome to the Press Office with Caden Co PR, the podcast that gives you an exclusive and unfiltered look behind the scenes of the Australian media landscape and public relations industry. I'm your host, Marissa Jane, a publicist here at Caden Co PR. And if you are dreaming of a career in public relations, are an aspiring journalist, or simply just obsessed with all things digital and traditional media, then this is the podcast for you. In this week's episode of The Press Office with Caden PR, I chat to the very multifaceted Jane Rocker, a journalist who writes for both traditional print and digital media. Jane's work is featured in the likes of Sunday Life magazine, Domain National, Domain Review and New York Times T Australia, just to name a few. Jane and I discuss all about how the media industry has evolved in correlation to the rise of digital and social media, how to best pitch to a journalist who works across many titles, and we also get her honest opinion on what makes a great PR and journalist relationship. If you love this episode, we would love for you to share on your socials and tag at KateCoPR. Now let's get on to the interview. Hi Jane, thank you so much for joining me today on the press office. I have Personally loved working with you over maybe the past 12 months or so. We've had some really great stories get up with you. So today I can't wait to chat to you about your career and how you best work with PRs. Before we get started, for all the listeners, do you mind introducing yourself, what you do, and how you got to where you are today? Of
1: course. Thanks, Marissa. Well, for those who don't know me, my name's Jane Rocker. I am a music, fashion, and lifestyle journalist based in Melbourne. I've been writing since could say the mid to late 90s. I write for The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald Sunday Life magazine, Domain National, Domain Review in Melbourne, Rolling Stone Australia and Esquire in Singapore, and the New York Times as Tea Australia online as well.
0: You wear so many different hats. Some of the publications you just listed off, Sunday Life, Domain Review, Domain, Esquire, and you freelance. And also, you have just started your very own podcast, Some of my best with mushroom group. Firstly, how do you manage it all? Well, you know, I
1: try not to think about too much what's involved in managing it. I think when you're doing something you absolutely love, you just make it work. I must say, I think it comes down to being organized and prioritizing what needs to be done on a daily basis, but also working on longer term goals around that and not getting too stuck in the day to day. In terms of writing for lots of different titles, I think that's just the nature of freelance. You need to. Nothing is ever permanent or set in one way. I think now more than 20 years of writing has allowed me more freedom to stick with the same publications because they know what I do and they can rely on me. And I've become known as their go-to for, you know, celebrities or high profile access that others may not be able to get. So it's just been years in the making. But in terms of how do I do it, as I say, it really is just making a list of what it is you've got to get done and getting through that, but also pitching and thinking ahead. You can't just live for today. You've got to think what's happening tomorrow and the next day.
0: I imagine you'd have very different timelines, like you'd be writing, you know, for the next day, but then you're also working across long leads as well. So do you have to be quite organized to make sure that you're getting these stories at the right time?
1: Yeah I mean look it really varies I guess you've got some publications that are weekly but I always work ahead and think ahead that's just the nature of that beast so it's a combination of what's hitting your inbox but even more than that as a journalist you're looking for stories as long leads I mean that's the nature of how I've always worked and particularly with glossy mags that I've written for in the past and and so on. It's always been about, you know, it could be August, but I'm already writing for October. So it's getting your head around what your year in Melbourne looks like and then just keeping on top of what events are happening, what tours might be happening in a, you know, post-pandemic world now. Yeah, and just sort of being very aspirational but having a bit of a grasp on events as well. That that plays a big part.
0: Yeah, I can imagine with all of the COVID changes, it can make your life and also my life very difficult. <laughs> well, it does because you're just not out. Out there, sort of number one, um,
1: even as a journalist, is getting to sit with your PR colleagues at events. And often a lot of brainstorming does happen there. So during this time of lockdown, there's been less face-to-face and less events to talk. And, and it does bring about a lot of ideas by doing that.
0: Yeah. So I guess that leads me on quite nicely to one of my questions about how you think that COVID-19 and this pandemic has impacted lifestyle media uh, publications and stories do you think that there is less to write about or do you think now more than ever lifestyle pieces are more important? Look, I think media is always strong
1: and while I have written and seen it fall and rise and fall and rise and change shapes for freelancers, particularly because that's been my main way of earning my income for two decades, is that there's always news. It's just what news they're after or what stories they're after. I guess one of the great things is that a lot of the uh, entertainment stuff I do that's a feel-good element to our life that even in a pandemic people always want but sadly like in terms of writing about events or an award ceremony or anything that's destination and experience-based well yeah a lot of that has had to change I'm glad I don't focus on travel right now
0: Definitely. Well, Qantas have just said that we might be traveling by the end of the year to the UK and the US. So we'll see. I mean, I find that so
1: intriguing because we can't get out of Melbourne right now. That just seems like too far fetched. But I think that's great that they're trying to think like that. But we haven't figured out a way to travel within Australia. They've got to get that right.
0: Yeah, I was reading a really interesting article from Qantas. I think it was in AFR today. And they were saying how it will be really interesting if we can go overseas at Christmas time, but people won't be able to go to like Perth to see their relatives because of how strong the borders are within our country.
1: Exactly. That's why that conversation, you know, it's like if you're going to do a parallel for the sake of this podcast, it's almost like, you know, some pollies are being journos and others are being publicists you know they're on different agendas a little bit.
0: Absolutely I like that analogy that's great and getting back to your career when you first started as a journalist did you always want to be across multiple titles were there any dream publications that you always wanted to work for or do you like having your finger in many pies per se? (laughs) Yeah
1: look when I started studying journalism I didn't really know which way I wanted to go, but I guess, I mean, I was always and still am a, a big music lover so music journalism was always there. Rolling Stone was always there and I got to tick that box so to speak very early on in my career writing for them while I was uh, just finishing my honours degree at Deakin University. So for me I felt like wow I've already hit that spot. I mean not writing really long features that early on but doing reviews and doing you know 500 word features and, and that was that was great. That was a big buzz and that really made me feel like anything was possible because I'd already sort of got to that point. Um, In Australia at the time, in the late 90s, early 2000s, we had publications like Australian Style, we had HQ Magazine, Cream Magazine, beautiful glossy publications that all were quite varied in who they pitched to, but beautiful long form writing that there was a lot of music in there too. So I wasn't as varied. There was some interior and lifestyle and architecture. Look, I think if there was something, if it just felt contemporary and cool and fitted in with my rock and roll ethos, I felt I could write about it. It had to sort of reflect me and I had to be passionate about what I was writing. So that's how I ended up covering a lot of different areas. But music was was one of the big ones. So then after that, it was Loudmouth magazine. It was Hot Metal magazine, Juice magazine and They were all the big iconic music mags of the 2000s, I guess and Rolling Stone as well, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, very awesome. And is there a preferred way to pitch to a journal such as yourself who does write for multiple publications? Should we as publicists be coming to you with a story in mind for a specific publication? Or do you think that with freelancers there's more room to workshop, say, a bigger idea with you to fit into one of these publications you look after?
1: Look, I think... The main thing is understanding a freelancer is knowing that we can't receive a pitch that you're taking to a publication directly. That's the biggest no-no. So that sort of makes a little bit of what we do redundant and um, it's harder to get things over the line. There has to be an element of exclusivity. There has to be an original idea and there has to be access to talent that's, you know, a little bit before others too. I mean, that's often... What works, so um, I mean, I. But I also love when PRs actually do call me, have a chat, and work through things on the phone, because then often that can lead to something else. Um, It's just being mindful that as a freelancer, nothing is set in concrete. So you, you know, I might be doing good food this week and doing a story on cocktails, but then I might do a drink story in domain review that's quite different. But you know, and that might be my drink stories for the for the month and then I'll be writing about someone's home the next. So I think as long as they're across what that journal does, that's number one, just being really aware of where their work is published and, and what their most recent stories are. And even if you don't know, just getting on the phone and saying, hey, I'm new to this or um, just tell me what the best way is to work. I actually don't. I prefer Phone calls, actually. I I do say that in a lot of those media database things. I think a phone, not like too many, but yeah, occasional ones with specific pictures are good, yeah.
0: Your phone's going to be going off after this interview. You're going to regret saying that.
1: I know, I better not, yeah.
0: I would assume that you would be pretty busy day to day. What does a typical day look like for you?
1: Well, there is no typical day. That's probably the answer to that question. I mean, at the moment, I've got two kids, 11 and, and nearly eight, homeschooling. So knowing that that could be ongoing. For the rest of this term, that's pretty set, looking pretty certain and then who knows what happens in term four. You know, let's imagine kids are at school and I'm just working. Well, I get up, I exercise, I have to start walking. I've gotten better with that as I've gotten older. Ask me when I was 25 or 35, I would not have done that. Not even at 42, I would have done that, okay? You know, I'm in my later 40s now, so I know what I need because I've got so much clutter in the head of what i got to do. I need to walk. And then I love writing lists. That's my big thing. I don't care that I'm writing it a few times. I need to visually see my day and even if my day doesn't go to that plan I just know and then what doesn't finish that day goes to a a list for another day so I'm a big list person um I don't really take much time out you know I thought I'd be better even as a freelancer now to just say well I'll knock off but I tend to keep on and keep looking and keep checking emails it's just it's second nature it's on your phone you're always looking and that's what freelance being a successful freelancer you know you've just got to be a little bit on all the time it's just that that's sad but true I think any that's really good at what they do, you know, has to have a little bit of that always thinking about work. It's just how it is. I don't know if that's useful. That's just... How how to have a nervous breakdown.
0: No, I love the no day is a typical day. And anyone who is working while homeschooling their kids, honestly, deserves a medal. I don't know how people are doing it.
1: Well, you know, I, I remember when we first did it last year and how much pressure I put myself under to make sure that my youngest, who was only in grade one last year, you know, couldn't read properly, couldn't follow instructions. I mean, that was quite stressful. And when, you know, you're trying to manage your own work and your own career, like everybody else is trying to do when they're in lockdown but I think what I've done this year that's been a greater priority is that you know I just know what I have to achieve I make it very clear to them that if we don't finish your work in the schedule the school wants we're going to work outside of your school hours to do it and if they need help we might do three to five it just it has to work around you because no one you can't have everybody stressed trying to do stuff so that that's what sort of worked for me sometimes we either smash it out with the kids early and then the rest of the day is mine Sometimes I'm like, don't come near me. I need the whole day to myself. There's all the food in the fridge. You've just got to make it work. It just is what it is.
0: Yeah, it, it is what it is, unfortunately. Now, I would love to get your thoughts. From your perspective, how have you seen the traditional media landscape evolve with the rise of social media? Well, I guess, you know, social
1: media has been around for a a while i love it because it's an added element from a traditional point of media view that i can take what I do in that traditional space and put it in the online space so how has it evolved one is not a threat to another I think they both are working quite nicely we're also seeing a lot of content come back that is traditional but more curated mag content or there's always cycles and when I look back to when I first started and there was an abundance of magazines and then it shrunk and I remember in 1999 working online and and getting an online component with um city search in the age and everyone was so scared of the web and what it meant and live directories online and how what do you mean we look for restaurants online and then we can you know find a gig nearby but that you know that's what was happening in 1999 and everyone got scared of that so in terms of digital media it's just an evolution of print and I think they work nicely together I think we, we need both
0: and I guess with digital, there is this natural targeting towards this younger, more millennial market. Do you think that the media industry still has a bit to go in order to communicate effectively to this market?
1: Well, see, I'm not that market, so I don't know. I'm a Gen X. And look, I guess millennials, I don't know how they how they access their, their their news, it probably is digitally, of course. I don't think they're buying newspapers like my generation did. Right, I get that. Is traditional media giving them what they need? Well, I don't think it's our job to just give them what they need. They've got to be a voice of reason right across the board. And there's specific sites or publications that people go to if they want to hear a certain tone or lean a particular way. Um, you know, Newspapers aren't perfect. That's why so many try and come on board and do something different or swing more to the left and
0: scarily swing more to the right, you know. And it's interesting, like I'm someone who is more attracted to, I guess, consuming my media digitally. But what I have found quite fascinating is the majority of my clients want to see print coverage. That's their huge win, their number one goal. So what are some key ingredients for for you to make a story to go print. Well,
1: I think first and foremost they need to realize that no one can ever guarantee them that and that that is not the only way to get your story told. Yes, you know, we all love to see things in print, but often and this is the case even in sections of The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. What is in print doesn't always appear online. So then you've got the story not even being able to get further than that Sunday that it's come out. And then you're really limited. So print isn't all it's cracked up to be, I guess. Yes, it's lovely. It's nice. Of course, if you're sitting in a Qantas, you know, on a flight with Qantas and you've opened the mag and you've seen something written there about where to eat. Well, yeah, you're going to remember that. uh look for me and the nature of what I write it's all about talent and access to big names I mean that is like the holy grail that'll get you print but am I going to be able to write about your new cream cheese with a I don't know, coconut flavour, that's not me. That might be more a snippet on good food, you know, online. But, yeah, I think just expectations of it would be very hard to be in your position as PRs because I'm sure a lot of people want to see results and they think those results are only results when a story is in print.
0: Yeah, it is really interesting that the preference is there, but as you said too, it's always really nice when it runs in print and then it goes digitally as well.
1: That's right. I mean, it is lovely. Like, I love seeing my five-page art feature in Esquire Singapore, but... Unless I'm living in Singapore or unless my editor posts me a copy, I don't see it. But the fact that it makes it online, I can share it globally and then it gets picked up by Esquire USA. So people need to shift the way they think about digital as well because you can just share far and wide and discover a whole lot more.
0: Exactly. And you have also just gone into the podcasting space, which is obviously huge. The audio media space is growing. Do you believe that it it is the medium of the future?
1: Oh, I wish I could predict such great things. I mean, I think more people are certainly aware of podcasts. They've been around forever. There's so many of them. How, How do you discover and really explore what's there? What's been great is that, yeah, I was approached by Mushroom Group to do some of my best work and And so I work with uh, our producer, Courtney Carthy, and um, make cool shit happen. And thanks to Matt Kadinsky for backing it too. So it's basically interviewing bands or artists to talk about a song that they consider as some of their best work. Is it the future? I think in an age where oh, music print media is on the decline, having an outlet like podcasts gives those artists a chance to tell more stories and gives fans an opportunity to hear more. So it's a win in that regard. You can, if you, you can be as specialist as you want to be. And that's, and that's a good thing.
0: I love in podcasts too. There's so many out there now that you can really find these niches really specific to your interests. So all the music fans out there would be loving your podcast. But if you're a true crime fan, you can be listening to a new crime story every morning. So yeah, I think they're great. It will be really interesting to see how they go, especially the whole radio podcast debate. So watch this space.
1: Yeah. Look, I mean, it, it's it's a fun space to be in and I do remember like if I hark back to when I started as a journalist and I was, you know, I was writing for print because I started writing for The Age and, and then I started doing some digital stuff in the late 90s and that was really cutting edge and different and it felt so good to be at the front of all that, you know. And I think podcasts are just an, another medium, but if you get the right mix of what people want to hear and have interesting stories on there um, because look, there's a lot of crap out there and and even well-known people that do podcasts don't make great or better podcasts. So it's just knowing how to find them too.
0: Exactly. Now I want to quickly ask you some questions around working with publicists specifically so I can become a better publicist, a bit of a selfish little question sesh. What is your preferred way to work with a PR?
1: Look, I don't mind email in the first instance pitching something, coming to me with an idea, followed by a phone call. I mean, usually when something hits my inbox, I will reply. Like if it's something I know I I can potentially do something with, I'll, I'll be on it immediately. So email and then a phone call. That would be the best way. Or, you know, coffee. God forbid we can meet up, you know, have a coffee and and chat about stuff I have a lot of PRs that have done that in the past either at the end of the year or as we're approaching party season or was the racing season we get together we nut things out and that's quite nice it's really refreshing
0: I still have flashbacks to our it was only a few months ago when we had lunch at Lona Mesa and now that just seems like a whole other world I know. How beautiful
1: was that? Being able to sit alone a mesa and and be together and do what PRs and journos do. Exactly. I know. Share a wine and have a big chat with great
0: food. (laughs) Yeah, food is good. Uh, Shameless plug over there. And do you have any PR pet hates?
1: Oh, just being pitch stuff that's completely irrelevant so that doesn't fall into anything I write about. That's probably my only real head hate oh hang on i think a lot of people in pr don't realize how well connected a lot of journos are as friends so we know who's being pitched what and then we all we don't always do this but you know there's a few of us that are quite close so we do know what's going on and and never think that we don't know what's going on it's better to be transparent and if we're going to really get to it when when they send you an email but they're sending all media in a well you can see everyone's email. There's no blind carbon copy involved. That's probably a pet hate. Just be very careful before you click send and uh, don't pitch what is not relevant.
0: I think the forgetting to be CC is like a publicist ritual. <laughs> I remember everyone does it once and it, it kills your soul and you'll never do it again.
1: Yep, that's, that's probably, I'd say they're the two if I had to name them.
0: We've got younger staff in our office who have just started. It's their first ever job in PR. And one of the questions they want to know is, what is the best way for young publicists to start building relationships with journalists?
1: Well, you know, the young PRs that have done well in my book have been the ones that have actually picked up the phone and had a chat and actually just treated me like a normal person and not felt scared to talk. That's really nice too, you know. I could be their mum's age, I don't know, you know. But initiative, having a bit of guts, not being scared, go a bit off script. It's okay. Sometimes people ring, just following up on an email we sent you, blah, blah, blah. And you know, they've got a list and they're just checking everyone off. Personalize things a little bit. It's okay. I had a PR call me this week. He said, I'm up to the letter J in my phone and I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. And I thought, dude, that is awesome.
0: That's such a nice idea.
1: I love that. Yep. Yep. He wins. I won't say who he was, but yeah. He was great.
0: I'm like, good on you. That is a winning in my book. He'll know who he is. He'll listen and be smiling along, hopefully. Lastly, do you have any highlights from working with a PR? Anything specific that comes to mind or just in general?
1: Oh, look, I mean, I think we go back to it comes to those big events like organising a shoot for the spring racing carnival, um, doing something for a food and wine event, um, you know, a concert and being backstage. I mean, working with PRs in those scenarios is so much fun because you're involved in the whole process of bringing a whole heap of creatives together and making something happen. So that's, that is awesome. Um, I guess they all revolve around that party fun thing that we're missing in society right now, or we can't do any of it, but yeah, spring racing is always a a big one. I think that I always remember as, um, Collaborating in a in a great fun and, and upbeat way.
0: I am missing those events so much and I'm sure so many publicists and journalists are missing them too because so many great little stories come out of them from the actual event but also in the lead-up, following the event. So, yeah, we've definitely had to shift perspective there.
1: Yeah, and, you know, even like as a previous judge of fashions on the field at Maya, I mean, that's working with Maya PRs and then being able to be on the field and do all that. I know that is highly unlikely this year, but it it will be nice when that element of real life living can come back. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, the reopening of Melbourne will be amazing. I can feel it already. I'm already excited planning my outfits. (laughs) And now before we leave, I have a few quick fire questions that I would love to leave you with. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, email or phone call? We'll start with email. Okay, good. Coffee or wine? I'm going to choose coffee. Digital or traditional media? Traditional. Instagram, Facebook or TikTok?
1: Well, that's an easy one for me, Instagram.
0: And lastly, press release, personalised pitch or both?
1: Yeah, I like the idea of both. But begin with a personalised pitch, send through the press release like a week later because you told me it a week before. (laughs) I'm joking. And, you know, yeah. I think it's just about being human that there's that you're not just a whatever that could potentially get a story and whatever
0: thank you so much for joining me jane i have had such a pleasure chatting to you as always and i cannot wait until we can have a wine and some food again
1: totally back to lona Mesa for more delicious food yeah exactly
0: thanks jane all right thanks marissa Thank you for listening to The Press Office with Kate and Co. PR. Please subscribe, rate and review via your favourite podcast app and please give us a follow, like and share on Instagram at katecopia.